be simply me, no matter what, nothing else matters. The podcast for personal inspiration, being you again and we much more, simply you, no matter what, nothing else matters. Stefan Neve is an anesthetist, author and alcoholic in recovery. After studying medicine in Heidelberg, Germany, he traveled and worked in Europe and Australia before settling down with his family in beautiful New Zealand. As a retired pain physician, he developed a specific insight into human psychology. As a man trying to down his sorrows, he found out the hard way that the critters can swim. But over the last seven years, he made every day a little bit better than yesterday. Today, Stefan is an expert in living a life so fantastic that alcohol has simply no role to play. He shared his passion through his podcast, YouTube channel, and other social media. In his book, My Steps to Sobriety, he shares the lessons he has learned as a doctor and as a man. And the truth is simple. The past does not equal the future. Every alcoholic can turn his life around one little decision at a time. This book shows how to do it. Hello, Stephen. I'm totally delighted that I have you on my podcast because your Be Simply Me story is just wow. Uh, and I was pleased uh, to read your book. Uh, and I will share um, at the podcast the link to your book. And it was just uh, for me, very interesting because I grew up with uh, al alcoholic people in our coffee. So it is really a hard topic for myself. And I would love to hear your story. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. And it is, if we can, if we can be more transparent in our lives and share our stories more, like with you here on the show, uh, even the better, because that is the way that, that we can show that the past does not equal the future mm -hmm. and that everyone, however you have lived your life so far, has got the chance to turn it around. And that is what I did. And it is, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you very much for letting me share. And hopefully we can change some minds together and show that there is hope. Not only hope, but I mean, everything has a beginning and everything mm. has an end. And for me, it's already interesting because um, when I was talking to in our coffee shop with my, my alcoholic people, like alcohol is something, it's just usual in the society. And it's like, ah, that's nothing. I just drink alcohol. I'm coming from the countryside. And yet, when is too much too much and when is actually the beginning when you don't know anymore that is actually an abuse and not you know it's something it's normal thing yeah. oh well that is that is a, a, a one million dollar question isn't it <laughs> uh, because i think let me burst that bubble for those of you out there who are believing that a glass of red wine or a glass of white wine is actually healthy mm -hmm. and that it is something good. Unfortunately, every single glass of alcohol will reduce your life by a certain amount of minutes. It does not matter how little you drink or how much you drink. Although, if you're going all out, if you try to break new records, how many bottles of wine you can drink a night, well, you speed up that process. Uh, but it, unfortunately, yeah, we now know um, from studies released in the last uh, two years that, yes, alcohol is actually a very good uh, solvent. It will dissolve your marriage, it will dissolve your bank accounts, your self-esteem, and also your life. And it is beautiful because it's actually, there is no discrimination. It doesn't matter who you are, black, white, boy, girl, or somewhere in between. Uh, it does not distinguish any, any level of society. When I was in rehab, 
we had anything from from uh, truck drivers who were on pee in order to stay awake on amphetamines and and drinking far too hard to professors to you name it everyone out there is involved so coming back to what i said uh, how much is too much we know every single every single class will hurt you uh, when you read in women's no you probably not women's weekly um what is it these sports uh things like men's Oh, I'm lacking the words. There are many sort of lifestyle magazines, and you often see articles in there. A glass of beer is good for you because it helps you with vitamins after a workout. Or red wine is beautiful for the heart. Or white wine is this. Yeah, no. We are facing a multi-billion industry mm. of very clever people that are doing social engineering and that pick little bits of information out and then tidy it up and make it look really positive and healthy for you to drink alcohol. And that is not true. There are certain components within red wine that are good for you. Then please go out and get you some Rosemary Troll uh, in, a, in a tablet and that's good. That's probably good for you to drink a glass of red wine or two at night. No, it isn't. Okay, so that's the, the really good. So that's that's already the bubble to be burst. Uh, if you then look at magnitude of damage that you do, the, there are sort of guidelines internationally, 14 drinks a week for girls and 21 drinks, standard alcoholic drinks uh, a week for men. That seems to be a a threshold that was bunted around there is very very little to say about that why suddenly everything is good until 14 drinks and the 15th oh my god then hell breaks loose so bottom line is if you want to live a healthy life then you may wish to think very hard about each class that you drink but it's so interesting in austria it's like most of the time it's peer pressure mm, and the age please. is early and early and earlier and um i actually my whole i don't want to say my my whole friend circle but most of my friend circle went away when i stopped drinking <laughs> and, the question then is were these really friends yes or were these drinking buddies i look as an alcoholic what do we do we know deep inside that our drinking behavior is too much. So what do we do? We, we surround ourselves with people who drink at least as much or more. So therefore you can tell yourself, look, I'm fine. I'm just a social drinker. Look at her over there. Oh, she is an alcoholic. So that's, that's a nice way how we can can deal with our own guilt and shame and, and those kind of things. Because inevitably, that is what is happening. We, I postulate that the vast majority of people who are drinking, quotation mark, too much, who are actually not just 14 standard drinks a week, but who are going more out there, who are going down that slippery slope, that they drink because the alcohol provides them with something. Mm. They, mm. It gives them an outlet. It is, they might be very anxious and shy. And suddenly when they have had a glass of wine, then suddenly, ah, oh, mm. I'm, I'm good. I feel good. There is no more anxiety, at least at that moment in time. Mm. The next day, very different story. I call it hangxiety, hangover and anxiety because mm -hmm. the, the anxiety hasn't gone away and the trauma the ptsd the the many versions of childhood trauma the many versions of depression those kind of things we all have our own stories and unfortunately certainly our generation has not learned how to deal with negative emotions mm -hmm. or with any emotion for that matter Mm -hmm. So therefore, we fall back 
onto those things that give us a release or a relief, shall I say, in this, in this matter. That might be the sugar that gives you the dopamine rush. That might be the, uh, the alcohol that gives you the same dopamine rush. I may, that might be the alcohol that makes you forget your problems, mm-hmm. makes you go back to the, to the times when we were young and when life was still okay. You still had hopes and dreams and that's it. You don't have to face the music. You don't have to face the reality. Mm-hmm. That is why you drink. Mm-hmm. And that is why you drink too much. And that is where the slippery slope is. So you were asking, well, you know, where is the start of the story? The start of the story, I think, with regards to alcohol, is for many people that initially it has some real benefits for you because it, it fulfills a need for you and it helps you to cope or makes you, makes you more outgoing, etc., but then when, when things are not working out so well in your life, which is normal, you know, every life turns to custard, that is just a given, then you cannot cope with that. And then you grasp the bottle mm-hmm. and another bottle and another bottle. And that is then when slowly but surely you're really going into free fall along that slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Well, a personal question. What was the on one day the most you drank oh i think a bottle of vodka a liter bottle of vodka um would be um good going uh might be three four bottles of wine let's say on a sunday mm-hmm. um i remember that my my mother had hidden that she had breast cancer so after a year she finally admitted to it uh, and when I looked at, at her breast, it was clear this woman will not survive. So that was her own choice. But now she insisted that every Sunday she will come to have lunch with us. Mm-hmm. And I could not cope with that. Mm-hmm. I was basically, uh, by 10 o'clock I started cooking. And by 11 o'clock I would have had at least a bottle of wine or maybe two. Um, just to actually cope with with the whole thing. We had a a lousy relationship to start off with. And then she put me into that situation, so to speak, where there was no hope out. And she was rotting away in front of me. And I had no idea what to do. Um, So so that was a Sunday. So basically by lunchtime, I was hammered already. Um, And then I would keep drinking in the afternoon. So make that three, four bottles of wine, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was I was the classic the classic example because I was whilst I appear outgoing now it was when I was younger I was quite shy I was insecure mm-hmm. I was uh, I was yeah I was what I was and I uh, two free glasses of beer or wine bidim, suddenly the guitar comes out and I can't sing I can hold a tune, but I can't sing. Did, did it matter? No, I was singing in my croaky voice and the girls loved it. So here you go. That was a very tangible benefit for me. Um, we, I had two friends. We all liked our guitars. We all couldn't sing, but you know, we, we traveled through, through Spain and France and the alcohol came out, the guitars came out and it was, the girls came to us like moths to the flame. Uh-huh. And, here you go. Here you go. It was a very clear benefit there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then th- later down the line, yeah, there was, there was no more benefit. It was, mm-hmm. it was barely, barely dulling the pain that was mm-hmm. deep inside of me. Mm-hmm. As, but the, the men and women uh, act differently when they are drunk. And men, either they get silent, funny, or violent. Uh, in which case was yours probably funny or does it, does it depend on the amount in the good old times and I mean really good so earlier on I would be funny I would be uh, talkative I would listen I would we would have good times really good mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. Uh, later on 
it was very different because I believe the alcohol is amplifying what your deepest inner parts are. So if you if you want to come out and have a great time, then it allows you to do that and you will have a great time, at least for you yourself. You might make an absolute fool out of yourself mm-hmm. and other people don't think that you're so funny, but for you, you're funny. It doesn't matter. So yeah. Exactly, exactly. You're having a good time. Uh, when later on it amplifies, it amplified my anger, my resentments, mm-hmm. my frustration, because there was so much in my life, uh, in my... 30 in my 40s i would say because there was just uh, life heaps up rubbish it it hammers you and uh, yeah the negative things in your life kept occurring and in my life there were a hell of a lot of them mm-hmm. so i there was a lot of anger there was a lot of resentment and i had no way how to deal with that i had no coping skills i had never learned healthy strategies to deal with stress mm-hmm. for me it was the answer was work harder mm-hmm. and drink harder mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. was i was I a nice man later on no that is that is clear uh was i angry yes um did i and but it didn't necessarily you didn't necessarily need uh alcohol for that mm-hmm. i was angry and frustrated and I wasn't a nice guy, full stop. Uh, you mentioned that, uh, that life as an alcoholic is ex- exceedingly busy. <laughs> what do you mean with that? <laughs> well, <laughs> it is busy. This basically, <laughs> you, you are constantly thinking about alcohol and dealing with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So you're going out to buy alcohol, but you're trying to hide that you're buying the alcohol. So you're going to several bottle shops and take turns so that the, the bottle shop owner doesn't doesn't know you. Oh, hello, Stefan. It was only yesterday. Oh, it was only yesterday that you were here. So you're hiding that you're buying. Then you're hiding the alcohol. Then you're hiding that you're drinking. <laughs> then you're hiding that you're drunk. <laughs> and then you typically there's a bit of a break because you have collapsed somewhere in hopefully in your bed or on, at least in your home on the floor and are in half a coma. And then you wake up and then you hide that you're sick like a dog. You hide that you're hungover. You hide the evidence of your drinking. It is exceedingly busy. Mm-hmm. Thinking, thinking about that, you're, you know, it's part of the definition of addiction that much of your day is focused on using or mm-hmm. drinking. And regrettably, that is what this, this poison, what this, this nasty drug alcohol does. And it does it very cleverly because one other hallmark of a person who's drinking too much is that he will insist that he's not drinking too much that Mm. he has no problem so 95 percent of people that drink dangerously uh, or have an alcohol use disorder will actually insist that there's nothing wrong with them what a what an insidious insidious disease Mm. Mm -hmm. what was your i i i call it most of the time be simply me moment or or aha moment where you understood that you have to change? There were many moments when I knew I had to change. And that was typically in the morning when I woke up and was dry retching. Mm -hmm. And many mornings I would have taken this leftover bottle of wine or another bottle of vodka that I had just started. Nope, today's the day, uncapped, down the sink you go, today, is the day I will stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Fast forward eight hours, um, or maybe that maybe the hangover was so bad that I was still feeling sick in the evening, mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe I wouldn't have a day with uh, with alcohol. Well, that could be. There were days like that, and then the next day, ah, oh, see, you know, I'm I'm all good. And today is really a bad day, isn't it? You have deserved the alcohol. Mm. Oh, today is a really good day. Ah, oh, see, you need to celebrate. Today is sort of a day where not much is booked. 
see, you need to relax, have a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. That's how the alcoholic mind works. So where there are hard moments, oh, please, uh, virtually every other day, were they strong enough to overcome the addiction? No. When was it? When I did overcome it. Mm. Uh, when my wife booked me the holiday of a lifetime, uh, four weeks of uh, everything included uh, in a beautiful little resort called Capri. Uh, now, Capri is a beautiful island in, uh, in the Mediterranean where uh, the centurions were sent to, to rest and recuperate. Capri, in my case, was Capri Hospital, which was a rehab hospital. And it was a 28 days agreed stay where the two weeks, the first two weeks were mandatory inpatient. In other words, you were staying in. End of the story. You have no more rights. Consider it a friendly jail. Mm. And often enough, uh, we called ourselves inmates uh, because of exactly that. You had no phone. You had no communication with the outside. It was basically you were, you were taken out of your normal life mm -hmm. and were put into this rehab hospital. And that's where the magic started. That's where suddenly all the bullshit was stripped away from you. All the masks that you wear were stripped away and you were left with the real you, whatever that person was. Mm -hmm. And you were starting to deal with the reasons that you were drinking. And therefore, this was truly the holiday of my lifetime, the once in a lifetime kind of thing, because I've never learned so much about myself and about how I tick than in those four weeks. Yet, when I'm actually looking back, I've only had scratched the surface. Despite all the work that I've done in four weeks there, I only scratched the surface because I kept doing that work now until, until today, and I will keep going until my heart stops beating because it is an, it's, it's the start of a journey there, but I am still on this journey because I am an alcoholic. I am an addict deep inside. I'm also a vulnerable man. I'm also a man with PTSD, a history of depression, anxiety attacks. Uh, you name it, I've got it. And these you're, are... You're, yeah? you are your own guinea pig. <laughs> no, it's we like... all are. We all are. The difference between, <laughs> between your listener and me is that I have admitted to it. Yes. <laughs> That's the only difference. The only difference between those people that are listening to this podcast and feel, hmm, I really want to, want to know more. Well, I'm just a bit further down the line, mm. down that journey than mm. you guys are. Okay. You have got the same stories of, of childhood trauma. Maybe not the same stories. Our stories are all different. Let's, mm -hmm. let's say that. But you have a combination of childhood trauma, abandonment, um, other things that happened to you in your life. You will have felt insecure as a teenager. You will maybe have been bullied. You will, et cetera, et cetera. You, mm -hmm. There is some mental health in your family, I bet you. And so on and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. Now, you guys out there, unless you have been in rehab, unless you have been actually doing some, uh, some healing, some exploration of your mind and of your soul, then you are, you're just dabbling. You're basically, you've got a supercomputer up here between your ears mm -hmm. and you have no user manual. Mm -hmm. So you use your own kind of things that sort of work for you but yeah they are really probably many of them are not so useful for you mm -hmm. and some of them are will be clearly harmful like the alcohol it's 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 just brilliant and it's i think it's a lifelong journey discover ourselves and as you said just give away the masks 
And mm. do we actually know who we are <laughs> with, without our stories, our hurtings? Mm. That's something what I say all the time. And, and uh, I mean, I had my burnout and all those things. So I'm totally agree that none of us came out without any hurtings and what we call la, uh, living. <laughs> and uh, I think just everybody compensates in a different way because we never learned how to handle it. And that's the beautiful thing. That's the beautiful thing. That's why I would like to invite your listeners and viewers to come onto this journey. Mm. It is, it is the most beautiful journey that one can take because you're exploring mountains, valleys, new, new views constantly. It's a, it's a meandering winding path and you you think you've figured it out i think you think you look on this path and before you know it you come around a corner and there's something new now some of these things are wildly romantic means there is maybe a storm brewing uh in your life but that storm in its own in its own right has got a beauty a wild mm -hmm. beauty there and when you have weathered that storm you end up with a good story to tell mm -hmm. if you know if you have learned how to survive in a storm yeah. and it's the same <laughs> if you just if you come to beautiful new zealand and you walk one of our magnificent long tracks here and you walk it in flip-flops and and just some a t-shirt and some things then yeah, there's a fair chance you can die because you're not prepared, etc., And that's the same in your life. So don't go into this life onto a really difficult hike with flip-flops and a t-shirt, okay? You want to have your backpack and you want to have some survival gear in there because if the storm hits you, then you better have something to put on because otherwise you freeze to death in a weather bomb or whatever happens. So the same in our life, but most of us run around in flip-flops and t-shirt. It's only when you have gone through shit, when you have gone through hard times like me and have started exploring why you do, why you behave like you do behave, mm. only then can you start developing skills and develop that, that backpack of survival skills, of survival gear that will suit you so well down the line. Because rest assured, the storm will come. If you like it or don't like it, it will come. Mm -hmm. the, the depression will come. You've got a one in three lifetime chance of having a nasty bout of depression. So it is more like, yeah, it's, it's sort of, well, let's go one step further. If you have got chronic pain or you've got other, other uh, things that make depression more likely, you're more 50, 60%. And therefore, it's actually more likely that you will have depression in your lifetime than it is not. So yet there is this taboo. We're not talking about these kind of things. We are, we are burying them under, under bottles of alcohol rather than actually saying it will happen. What would I do? How do I recognize depression? Mm -hmm. What can I learn of techniques that are healthy that either prevent it getting worse or indeed actually prevent it happening at all. Mm. Would that not be cool if we, we learn something like that? Well, guess what? That is what you do in recovery. That is what you do through uh, a 12-step program or what you do in smart recovery. There are many ways how alcoholics and addicts can learn techniques of, of recognizing what's going on in yourself and then dealing with these things in a positive mm -hmm. way to prevent us drinking again. Mm -hmm. Now, the same thing is true for all the other things, for all the depression, for all the, the challenges that life throws us. You will know, or I can assure you, at one stage in your life, you will have financial difficulties. Well, why not learn a bit more about finances? Mm -hmm. I can assure you, you will have depression. Why not learn a little bit more about mental health and, and actually how do you protect yourself? And so on and so on. 
yet we don't do that. We, we are, it's, it astounds me how we sometimes run blindly through our life and try to, to close our eyes or put the, like the ostrich, the head in the sand and have your ass up there, head in the sand and everyone can do with your bottom what they want to do because that's what life does. So no, 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 no. Guys, come on to my journey. My journey is gorgeous. My journey is, is meaningful. And when I say that after, after rehab, I was empty. I was an empty shell. If you had asked me, who are you? I had zero answer. I could not tell you because I had identified myself as a doctor. I had identified myself as a man who works hard. I was a perfectionist. Uh, I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to please everyone. I was, uh, I was working 16 hour days and I thought, wow, that's really, really good. And over between the alcohol and my work, I had completely lost myself. Mm. There was no spirituality. There was no creativity. There was really not much. And then when I suddenly took the alcohol away and for a while took my work away, then I was empty. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, this was an empty canvas. I could start painting whatever picture I wanted. And that was cool. When do you get the chance to reinvent yourself in your life? I had it. I could choose who I wanted to become. And there I was. And I'm still choosing. I'm still, I'm still developing. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Because uh, the past does not equal the future, as I said in the start of the interview. But it is also right now, yesterday, uh, mean, yesterday is gone. Today is a new day where I can do things that, that put a big smile on my face. Like right now, talking to you. Mm -hmm. I'm very mindful of it. I'm in the present. I enjoy sharing my story in the hope that, that we can plant the seeds together so that someone says, wow, if this numbnut can, can, can do it, maybe I can do it too. Mm -hmm. and that's so great. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And later on in the day, I will do other things where I equally get the joy out of it. Mm -hmm. And I will do some chores. I will do some boring things. But then I've learned how to, to dress those boring things up and maybe listen to a podcast whilst I'm weeding the garden. Or I'm, I don't know, I take breaks, mini breaks, rather than go, 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 go. I actually say, no. Okay, now 15-minute breaks, and I read something, or do Sudoku, or just stare at the sky. And I call that, well, some people call that meditation. I call it mini break. Um, and it is whatever it takes for me to sharpen my soul, whatever it takes for me to get strong again. When I feel that I'm tired and I'm angry, and when I feel... You bastards, why do you cut me off driving in front of me? I asked myself, ooh, hang on, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. So my negative emotions are still there. Mm -hmm. They are still coming. And some of them I can't do much about. So if I, I get a bout of sadness um, or if I, if I feel very angry suddenly, it probably means that I haven't looked after myself. We call it halt. H-A-L-T, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If I get four of, out of them, I know that I'm out of kilter, okay? I, I, I can guarantee you that my mind will think of alcohol, that I will not make clever decisions. I will uh, knee-jerk and will do maybe buy myself a cheesecake or something like that. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, and I try to avoid all of them. Mm -hmm. And these are, there, was a, there was a guy called Maslow in the 40s, 50s, who actually created a pyramid. So some mm -hmm. of you may have seen that. And we, we strive for the top of the pyramid, the fulfillment, the beautiful soul. And we forget the very bottom. And the very bottom is actually the, the sheer physical needs that you have. 
um, how often, you listeners out there, be honest with, with me, how often have you run through the day? If you're, let's say you're a secretary or you're in a, in a clerical uh, stuff, you are, you're doing everything. You live on coffee, maybe some cigarettes. You, uh, you have maybe some sugar, uh, like nice muffin that is in the, in the tea room, uh, you will not have hydrated. Your bladder is constantly full and you don't even know it. Well, you've got all these signals from your body saying, stress, 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 stress. And you've got the outside of you saying, stress, 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 stress. Mm -hmm. So yes, is that a healthy thing? No. Your body is in constant, constant you know, 50,000 years ago, that's mm -hmm. the equivalent of you standing in front of a bear. So the bear might either eat you or slice you or whatever. So you, you better either get out of there, flight, or fight the bear. Fight. So fight and flight, adrenaline, cortisol, high. And that's what our normal lives are. So go back to it. So if nowadays, and I'm busy, I make sure I have breakfast. I make sure I've got little, little healthy treats with me. I make sure I rehydrate. I make sure I take my, uh, small breaks. Guess what? The world doesn't stop if that email doesn't get answered in five minutes. Okay. Um, it's the, I actually go to the toilet. I actually take, uh, look after myself. Exactly. So not just, oh my God, uh, I, I think I need, well, let's do another, another whatever job it is. No. Sorry, guys. And then I sit on the toilet, mindful, and it sounds stupid, but I'm mindful on the toilet. I'm enjoying letting this urine go. I'm enjoying that moment because I've made that a treat for myself. Yes. It sounds stupid, but I actually consider that looking after myself, and I do consciously do that. And that is a beautiful thing where I say, these are my two minutes here now. This is my two minutes micro break. Enjoy it for what it is. Some deep breaths. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And that gives me a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a, hey, I've just looked after myself. Mm -hmm. This is really nice. And then I make sure I drink a glass of water and, and so on and so on. So it's the little things. That's the bottom of Maslow's pyramid. And then next one is safety. And then you come into the other, the other needs that a person has from fulfillment, creativity, etc. Mm -hmm. But it is look after yourselves, guys. And it's the basics. And for that, you need to be mindful. Because otherwise, if you just roll with the punches every single day, it is so busy. You, by the time the, the evening comes, you will be dry like a crisp because you're dehydrated. You're therefore on edge. You've got a, this slight headache and then you come home and then the kids haven't, haven't done their jobs or your wife or your husband looks at you a bit funny. And the next thing, what happens? And, and you know, then you've got a big row. You say, you bastard. Oh, now I'm going to drink two bottles of wine and show you. Ha <laughs> ha. And you think, uh, really? Really? What? what? <laughs> and that's exactly that was what my life was mm -hmm. and that is and once you actually describe it in these words you think really can you exactly. be that stupid yep. Yep. and guess what yes you yes. are that stupid <laughs> i know what you're talking about because i i know the story also about deep personalization 20 years ago with my first burnout and today when i reflect back i was like what I could do all the stuff. I worked that much. And I did all this stupid stuff thing. I don't yeah. regret. Um, but uh, it's, it's just a part of my life. And That's me, right. Sorry, please it, continue. It, it's just, it, I don't want to delete it. I, I mean, I deleted it through healing all my learnings and all whatever took me going this far. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's a part of myself. Um, and um, I think I wouldn't be the person who I am today doing what I'm doing today without my story. Exactly. And therefore, I embrace it. Mm. I don't like it. I don't like that old me. 
not an old me, is part of it. Just like that scar is part mm -hmm. of it. I can't get, well, I could get rid of the scar, but do I want to? No. I know exactly where that scar came from. Mm -hmm. I know exactly where that broken nose comes from. Uh, it, these are all parts of me. This mm -hmm. is my story. And nowadays, I wouldn't call it as, I don't call it celebration. I think I'm, I'm appreciating my story. I accept it for what it was. And I embrace it for the lessons that it had taught me. And I embrace the, the people who stood by me mm -hmm. in the difficult times. Mm -hmm. I embrace the new friends that I'm making, friends like you, friends, friends that I meet from far-flung corners of the universe, for mm -hmm. crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Yet, we are all travelers on the same journey. Mm -hmm. And because we have gone through the same problems and have have now come out the other end it's like a secret handshake like a secret society uh, a, a, a band of brothers and sisters who just look at each other and and we we recognize each other you look and say oh okay <laughs> i know you and it's weird it's weird you're in canada you're in in austria you are in in, in god knows where Somewhere, yeah but that's right it doesn't matter mm -mm. because you recognize each other because you have gone through so much shit together you have learned therefore finally to cope with these these things and often we have become outspoken because we think that all those those all the pain must make sense in some way and it makes sense to us because we have become transparent we share how we have dealt with the pain bad and then good and by sharing our stories we hope that we can make life a little bit better and that maybe i become the candle in the darkness of someone else and and i don't want to be self-righteous or so i just mm -hmm. want to say that hey i've gone for shit and because of that i'm the person i am today warts and all and that's that's who i am now if you like me i can share some of my thoughts if you don't like me have a lovely day it is it is it is really you know i don't care really mm -hmm. it is i've become a man who can be proud to look in a mirror. Um, I still make mistakes. I still have negative traits that I would like to, to control. But at, uh, not every day will be as perfect as I like it to be. But I give it, I give it a good shot. I give it uh, my best and I use better coping mechanisms than I've done 10 years ago, that's for sure. What an episode, Stefan. And for me, it was, it's just, I always knew we have to make one. And <laughs> I loved your book. For me, the book was very profound. And seeing on this, on the side, on your side, seeing how um, an alcoholic, how it became and how it going out and everything else was just brilliant. It all memories of, of the guests we had came up and I understood them after reading your book better. And for me, it was interesting because it's a how-to book as well. And for me, it would be interesting when people buy your book because some uh, don't want to go somewhere because they are ashamed of their story, for, of their own story. And uh, so they, they maybe buy books and self-help and want to help themselves. Do you actually guarantee that they will get sober and stay that way. <laughs> oh dear. Well, let me put it like that. If you look at the alcohol industry mm -hmm. and you combine the 10 biggest producers of alcohol worldwide and compare them with countries, you, you have them ranking at somewhere like 46, 47 in the, uh, the list of countries worldwide as far as buying power and GDP concert is concerned. These people, invest billions mm. into marketing mm. into social engineering into all that rest assured if you watch television let's say you watch netflix 
how, how often do you think alcohol is being presented to you subconsciously? Every three, because, yeah. every, uh, every, three and a, every three and a half minutes. No. Okay. Every three and a half minutes, okay. someone will drink uh, or will, and it doesn't matter what you watch on Netflix. Um, so alcohol is part and parcel and that is being filtered into us. Now, officially, there is no advertisement on Netflix or on, on Lightbox, etc. Interestingly, they, they did studies to look at the drinking behavior that is portrayed in a number of television series. And it turns out that actually some or a lot of heroes like a specific beer in one channel. And it doesn't matter what they are doing, who is doing what. They like that beer and what's over there. They really like that whiskey. Huh. What a coincidence. You get the idea. So there is such a powerful industry out there that is working against you. They want to make you drink. And they put the onus on you because they say, with our alcohol, there's nothing wrong. We don't need to be regulated because it's your unresponsible drinking. So the sheer fact that you're an alcoholic makes you the problem, okay, not our alcohol. So therefore we do. So you're working against all that. So no. Will you be able to fight that? Yes, if you're aware of it, if you're aware that there is a constant pressure on you from the outside. If you do all the work and you you, you learn how your body takes and how your mind takes, how your reptilian brain takes, then you're in a much stronger position to deal with the, the flows of chemicals in your brain and your desires and, and the temptations. So reading a book will allow you that conscious, ah, that's how it works thing. But what about your reptilian level? Mm -hmm. What about the programming that occurred at, at the very, very deepest part of your soul? You need to work with that and you need to work on that. For that, you, you, you can read the books until the cows come home. No, that will not be enough. You need to work on yourself. Now that's painful. And for you just reading a book, you will not do the work, the really hard work that is necessary for you to get better. That's what you do with a 12-step program, or that's what you do with a psychologist, with a life coach, um, with, with a variety of resources. Because there is so much that we want to hide. Remember, your brain wants to avoid pain and it wants pleasure. So to deal with your negative emotions is tremendous pain. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. So therefore, of course, you don't want to do it. Therefore, unless someone holds you accountable, unless someone says, write down that list of resentments, write down the people, the list of people who are you are angry with, write down the guilt and shame, write down the worst, the worst thing you've done. Those kind of things. Wow. You don't do that just from reading a book. You might do it. You do it half-heartedly. You might say something to yourself, but it's far more important what you don't say. Mm. And you, you don't recognize what you don't say. Um, so you need someone else who has gone through that journey and actually says, yeah, nice try. Nice mm -hmm. try. Mm -hmm. So now let's talk about it. One final parting story. I had, I was an angry man. And one of the things that my, my case manager in rehab asked me to do is to write a letter to a particular institution that I was very angry with. And she gave me the evening to do so, and I went to town. I rode until my fingers cramped. And next day I came to her and said, what of paper here, let's talk about it. I, I tell you, you will understand why I'm drinking when you read that. And she took all the papers and, uh -huh, okay, folded them, put them to the side and said, okay, now let's talk about you. But, 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 look, look at all what I've written there. She said, yeah, that's okay, cool. Let's, another time, talk about you. So it was far more important what I had not said mm. than 
what I had said. The resentment, the anger, yeah, yeah, that was there. And there were good reasons, please. I had damn good reasons why I was angry. But <laughs> there was so much more. <laughs> there was so much more that was wrong in my head. There was so much more trauma there. There was so much more lack of coping there. There was so much more there. And that is, you need, you need someone to help you there. So okay. will you read my book? Will it help you? Hopefully, yes, because it opens your eyes. It gives you action plans, what you can do right now to address challenges in your life. It gives you action plans to, to deal with anxiety attacks. With, it, it introduces you to the concepts of PTSD, to the trauma. It gives you the 12 steps, and I go in details through them, um, how they can help you and, and deal with the, the challenge of alcohol. So there's so much in my book that is beautiful, and I've put my soul in it. And I've also put my brain as a doctor into it. So you get both. You get this, this, this hybrid of addict and doctor writing the book. So here you go. My steps to sobriety. Actually, I might as well show you. Here. Here we are. My steps to sobriety. <laughs> and so go out there, guys. Get it. Because it is, it is beautiful, in my own opinion. You should never say that, really, should you? Um, but I guess the, the point is about half of it is uh, alcohol and 12 steps. Half, the other half of it is how to deal with the challenges that inevitably arise in your life. You know, when I said, don't go out on our beautiful hikes here with flip-flops and a T-shirt, well, half of that is your survival kit already where we're talking about what you can do uh, and how you can prepare yourself for the challenges in life. So this book will hopefully help everyone who reads it. Mm. Will it do the trick? Will it stop your drinking? No way in hell. It might plant trigger. the seed. Yeah. It might trigger you to seek the help that you deserve. Mm -hmm. But there is, you can't just read one book and then stop drinking. That doesn't work no it was my deepest pleasure i will give all your contact details and also the link uh, where they can buy the book to the podcast and it, it was a longer podcast today than than usually but i think this topic has to be on the table has to be seen and knowing everybody out there who has challenges in this in this field that there's always hope that there's always help and that there are always guiding angels out there in whatever form they are coming. And I'm pretty sure that we can merge each other, as you said, on eye level, I always say. And just knowing that you are not alone with these challenges, I think this is also a great part out there that the people know. Thank you very much for your story. Uh, it was an honor. Thank you so much for having me. You simply are more than you think, but feel, see, hear, and know.